We're getting no richer from your healing and magicking, Ma. I hate being hungry all the time. That cut me. I knew he was hungry. Did I not divide my share so he had more, and it still wasn't enough? So he would not see me in tears, and because he needed it, I sat on our chair and turned my rascal over my knee. I gave him the spanking of his young life. I stood him on his feet again. His chin trembled but he refused to cry. The problem is my lad and I are too much alike. There's more important things than wealth, I said, trying to make him listen. There's our family name. Us above all, George, we don't take to thieving. I had thought to wait until he was old enough to understand, to tell him about Rebecca Cooper, but I believe the goddess's voice in me was saying it was time. He needed to hear this. I took down the shrine from the wardrobe top where I kept it safe from small boys. I opened the front to show him the tiny figures of the ancestors. See how many of your great-grandfathers wore the uniform of the provost's guard? What would our famous ancestress say if she knew one of her descendants was a common thief? We've got a famous ancestress? George asked, rubbing his behind. I picked up Rebecca's small, worn statue. I took it out often when I was a girl, because she was a woman of all the ancestors who wore the black tunic and breeches of the guard. There was the cat at her feet, the purple dots of paint that were its eyes worn away just as the pale blue paint for her eyes was worn away. The shrine was old, given to me by my great-aunt when I was dedicated to temple service. I showed him the figure. Rebecca Cooper, I said, your six times great-grandmother, famed in her day for her service as a provost's guard. She was fierce and law-abiding and loyal, my son. All that I want for you— and she was doom on lawbreakers, particularly thieves. Steal, and you shame her. Yes, Ma, George said quietly. Remember her, I told him, giving his shoulder a little shake. Respect her. Respect me. He put his arms around my waist. I love you, Mother, he said. Now he talked perfectly as he'd been taught. He helped me to clean up from the medicine-making and to make supper. It is only in writing about this day that I realize he never said anything about thieving. No, he will obey me. He is a good boy, and I will make an offering to my goddess to guide him on Rebecca Cooper's path. From the Journal of Mistress Ilani Cooper, mother of Rebecca Cooper, resident of Provost's House, Palace Way and Golden Way, Chorus, the Realm of Tortal. November 13th, 240. My heart is the better for this day. When my Becca told me the pigeons talked to her, I feared she was mad. I feared my lady would lock her up as my lady does not like Becca. Becca makes my lord like being a common dog too much. I thought to take Becca to my husband's mother, 
Granny Fern would know if there was madness in his blood. So I took Becca there today and left the little ones with Maya. Becca had bread in her pockets and fed pigeons all the way to Clover Lane. She says the birds say where they was killed. I feared someone of Provost's house would see the bread and say she stole it. When I told Granny Fern why we come, Granny laughed. She is no more mad than me, she says. Becca has the magical gift. Though some say it's not the gift exactly, it's not biddable. You have it or you don't. Becca's father had it and his sister and uncle before him. I said a prayer to the goddess. My girl is not mad. Gifted is not good, but it's better than mad. Granny Fern made Becca churn her butter. Becca thumped the churn so hard. Granny Fern told her, You can tickle the magic a bit. You need to, girl. Elseways, the ghosts that ride the birds will drive you mad with talk you only hear part way. Pigeons carry the dead. Them as died sudden. Them as had business to do. Them as got murdered, Becca says. Pigeons are the black god's messengers, Granny says. They gather souls to take to the peaceful realms, but some won't go. They hold to the bird until they see what's become of them. And they talk. Some of what they say is useful, Becca. That's why you must learn how to hear their voices. Have you heard other voices, Becca? On street corners, mayhap? I don't know, says Becca. Let's go see, says Granny. We finished the butter first because it don't wait. Then Granny took us to a street corner but two blocks from her house. A dust spinner was there, spinning leaves and dirt around and about like a small whirlwind. Your father named it Hasfush, Granny says, or told us his name is Hasfush. He's one of the dust spinners that never goes away. Step in and listen, Becca. Becca never argues with Granny Fern, only with me. Into the spinner she walked. What if she chokes? I asked. She won't, says Granny. She has the air gift. The dust spinner got small. Becca came out a mess. I have to wash her, I says. My laddie will have a fit. Becca looked at Granny. Hasfush is alive. He told me everything he heard. Then he got happy. Next time, bring him dirt from other parts of the city, Granny says. Your father said he liked that. Ailani, send her to me in the afternoon. I will teach Becca how to hear the ghosts and the dust spinners. It's writ down in a book of the family. She can tame it, the listening. She isn't mad. I was so afeard for my Becca. I know I will die from this rot in my chest. My children must make their own way then. Becca will have the hardest time. She was in the lower city for too long. Magic will help. Even friends that are birds and street wind and dirt will help. From the Journal of Matthias Tunstall 
Provost's Guardsman, resident of Rowan's Lodgings, Bot Street, Patton District. Chorus, The Realm of Tortal. November 13th, 244. Tonight, my Lord Gershom took Clary and me to supper at Naxon's Fancy. It was his way of thanking us for bringing down Bloody Jock. I would have done more than hobble him and bring him for a court to sentence. The scummer would rob a couple, killing the man and kissing the woman while her man was lying there. It was our third supper at Naxon's Fancy. Me and Clary could never afford the place on our own. But when we wind up big cases, we get a fine dinner there with my lord. So the wine was flowing well, and there was brandy after supper. We were all feeling good, and Clary asks the thing we both always wanted to know. How did my lord manage to hobble the bold brass gang six years back? Seemed for a year they roamed Prettybone, Highfields, and Unicorn districts, helping themselves to the treasures of folk who pay the rogue not to be burgled. There was even talk that His Majesty was looking for a new Lord Provost. Then, suddenly, there was the whole gang in chains, my Lord with new estates awarded by the King, and the Vice Provost transferred to a command on the Scanron border. "'What stories did you hear?' my lord asks with that little smile, like he knows a very good joke. "'We tell the ones we heard most. One of Bold Brass's women caught her man with someone else. A palace mage lowered himself to dog work to get revenge on the gang for robbing him. The gang had killed a horse some duke loved, and he paid for the...